Good morning. Please join with me in a responsive call to worship that you will find in your bulletins. We come from all places and all people together here today. We are blessed with mountains and valleys, rivers and oceans, fertile earth, warm and woods, and promising cities. Here, a dream was born. A dream of freedom from all the life. A dream of hope for our children. A dream of people as one nation under God. We have said to nations and peoples, May we pray and act so that this dream continues for all. Please join with me in prayer. Our loving God, thank you for bringing each of us safely to this place. As we gather, we remember those who are not with us today. For those who are sick, we ask for healing. And for those away from us, we ask for your blessing. This morning, God, we pray that your guiding hand may touch the people around the globe with whom we share a common humanity and desire for a better, more peaceful world. As we are gathered here today in friendship and community, taking a moment out of our busy lives to learn, share, and reflect, we are reminded of how blessed we all are. In the world around us, there are, so, there are many who suffer and face grave challenges. We stand in solidarity with them and compassion and by practicing loving kindness to ourselves and all those around us. God, for those of us on the long road to recovery from whatever ails us, let us never forget that we can get back to the light because even broken people can get better. Allow us to control the controllables in our lives and also to understand that sometimes the answer to what troubles us is standing right beside us in the form of our friends, family, community, and church. We recognize that our ability to gather in to gather in political and religious freedom on a morning like this is a precious benefit that we enjoy as a result of the hard sacrifices of so many. On this holiday weekend, we give thanks for our freedom and those who protect our freedom. And while we are thankful for our many blessings, we call out to you, God, on behalf of those who suffer as we continue through this week, we pray that we may walk in companionship with you along the way. And we pray that you continue to give us the courage to sing, to live, and to dance down our own path. This we pray as Jesus taught us saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship here at Southport Congregational Church. Um, we are fresh back. Uh, I say we, me and 23 other people, fresh back from the reservation midnight last night. One of them has arrived this morning to run the video for our live stream. So Austin, thank you so much for taking that uh, time and doing that. That is, that's a lot to ask. I think most others are still in bed, including the adults that went with me. Uh, uh, except Carter Yule is also up there in the back running the audio, so both of them. So kudos to both of you. Um, today, following church, Paul and I are going to be in the library. We know you all received a letter and or email today talking about our future plans. So if you have anything you want to talk about about that or anything else with us, we will just be there hanging out, uh, ready to talk. And um, be sure to stop by and grab some goodies before you go. Thanks to Ola Dilly. Um, also, we have a couple beach socials. I know you had one last week while I was away. We have our next one on July 19th. That is a BYOB event down at Sasko Beach, and you bring an appetizer to share. And if you don't have a Fairfield Beach sticker, meet at church, and they will um, give you a ride down there. Also, we are going to um, put together 175 backpacks for the Horizon students at Greens Farms Academy on August 1st. An email that will go out at the beginning of this week for you to donate supplies if you wish to do that. Um, and uh, so we look forward to that. Also, um, you probably have all seen the exterior building. It is under, um, it's under loving care, getting repointed and fixing cracked and broken um, mortar. So that is a really good thing and that should continue um, up throughout the summer. Um, also, we have the uh, Lehman Yule family on today. So we've got Carter on audio, Trevor live streaming. Two Yule kids, Jeff Lehman, uh, Leslie's brother, playing the piano, Leslie the soloist, so we should declare this Lehman Yule Sunday, I think, but thank you to all of you uh, for being here. Um, I, since I got home at midnight also, I'm not sure I'm missing anything else. I think, you're, I think you were stretching the truth when you said fresh. Fresh, yes, I'm not so fresh, I'm not so fresh, but I'm here nonetheless. <laughs> 
a little tired, a little tired, but it was a lot of fun, and we are going to um, talk about it. Yep, we're going to talk about it next week at both the beach service, which we will be hosting, and in the service, and I will be joined by some special guests. So if you want to know every, all about what happened out there on the reservation this past 10 days, uh, please be sure to join us. So with that, I think we will just move right into our time of prayer. Um, we offer, um, ask you to include in your prayers all of our church family, members who are undergoing surgery or have recently had surgery, for those who are seeking treatments for different ailments. Um, and then on this Independence Day weekend, we pray for our nation and for all the people within it. So with those prayers and the prayers that are deep within your own hearts, let's take this time to lift them all to God. Let us pray. God of all history, we come to you on this day and in this moment, recognizing all that has come before us. From the time of the Indians who lived off this land, loving and honoring the Mother Earth and all of creation, to the time of the movement of the European culture to this land, who came with hope for a new life, hope for a new religion, hope for a better way of life for their children. To the time of the war for independence, with a vision for a free land for all people, with a plan for freedom for all, a plan for life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness for all. All of these peoples of our rich history have made sacrifices to create a better way of life So as we become the caretakers and the livers of history now, and as we continue on this journey, help us to always remain mindful of your calling for us. Help us to stop and listen to your creation, to listen to the land, to hear the messages of hope in the wind the messages of love in the singing bird. Help us to pause so we can feel the strength of the spirit of the land, from the strength of the rushing waterfall to the power and the majesty of the mountains. And help us to slow down. To slow down so we can experience the prayer in a sunset so we can feel the cleansing nature of the rains, so we can witness the splendor in the storms. And help us to stop, to stop so we can pay attention to your messages of love for us in the outstretched hand of a child, in the friendly smile of a neighbor, in the wisdom of our elders. You have created us, and we are yours, God. And we are so thankful for all that has been given to us. 
And we pray that we may all continue to work for the equality of all people, offering opportunities to those who have been victims of government policies, for those who suffered from racism and sexism and any bias, for those whose lives are a struggle but are still each and every one a gift from you. And on this weekend, God, we ask your forgiveness for the pain we have inflicted upon others in the past. And we pray that as the nation that stands for liberty and freedom for all, we do so with your vision before us, your help beside us, and your will behind us. All this we pray in your name. Amen.
Italy Manuel Day. Um, also, just a reminder, there is childcare in the chapel if um, anyone would like to take part in that. Otherwise, you're happy to, happy to have you stay here. So God tells us over and over in the Bible to not to be afraid. And our gifts this morning are one way that we can trust God, even in a world that keeps telling us to be afraid. So we let go of thinking that we are on our own, and we live each day in graceful dependence on God. So in this spirit, let us gather our gifts together and offer them to God in gratitude and praise. Oh. 
and prayer of dedication. Oh God, we thank you for creating us and giving us all that we have in our lives. We thank you for your gift of Christ, through whom our lives are measured and renewed. We thank you for our ability to serve those in need. Help us to remember your gifts, that we may praise you with lives of joy and service. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm just going to say it one more time. Let's hear it for the whole Yule family. I mean, that, that's just amazing. Just amazing. Absolutely wonderful. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So good to be together. Um, so just a, a, a couple of words uh, before our scripture passages, and that is, so last week, um, a few days ago, I was, I was thinking about and I was wondering, what are we going to talk about today? <laughs> And, and I was thinking about the usual suspects of, you know, Fourth of July weekend, freedom, independence, that type of thing. And then Thursday happened. And I'm not talking about the letter that Laura and I sent. I'm talking about the Supreme Court decision. Um, and all of a sudden, there was an elephant in the room. And we're not going to talk about that today in political terms, really. But we're, uh, what we are going to do is we're going to explore this in terms of what does our faith say about this, in terms of our pursuit for justice and equality. And of course, as people of faith, it is our commitments, our voluntary commitment to first and foremost be guided in all of our actions by our faith. So let's begin with our scripture passages to set a framework for our faith in this regard, and let's read these together. First from Proverbs. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And then in Matthew, Jesus says, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And then from the Apostle Paul, who is talking about our collective identity. And he says, you are the body of Christ. God has put the body together so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And with that, may God bless our understanding and our living of this word truly of abundant life. All right. So as human beings, we live within at least three different systems. We live uh, within our history, our personal history, our collective history, whatever that may be. We live within um, politics, personal politics, collective politics, whatever that may be. And we live within our faith and whatever that may be. 
And regarding affirmative action, the Supreme Court said, hey, let's not judge people based on their race. And I couldn't agree more. And our faith couldn't agree more. As of three days ago, as it was written in the Wall Street Journal, and, and, and it seemed like everywhere, there was just article after article. But specifically in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article that was titled, The Supreme Court Strikes Down Affirmative Action. And in it, it said, quote, the Supreme Court had one of its finest hours on Thursday as it reaffirmed in logical but forceful fashion the bedrock American principle of equality under the law. And after I read that, I thought about that phrase again and again. The bedrock American principle of equality under the law. And I thought, how have we done with that? As a matter of record, historically. Has equality been a bedrock American principle? And if so, for how long? And in what ways? And for whom? If it has, why did some people think we needed affirmative action in the first place? But now the Supreme Court ruling says affirmative action is now wrong. Because it's wrong to discriminate or choose based on race. And again, I couldn't agree more that it is wrong to discriminate or choose based on race. And our faith agrees with that, saying in Christ there is no east or west, in him no north or south, no Jew nor Greek, no slave nor free. But where have we been with that as a matter of record in this regard? So let's take a little walk through history and take a look at some, some things that have happened. And first, let's start with a definition. Definition of affirmative action is described as a policy that A, seeks to address historical injustices, and B, promote equal opportunities. And I am not a scholar of affirmative action. And so with all of this is going on, one of the most important things in, in, it should be in all of our lives, certainly in the country in the last couple of days, I studied, and I read, and I learned because I didn't know, because I'm not an expert. And I thought, where did that term even come from? The term affirmative action was coined in 1961 by an executive order of John F. Kennedy. And in that, it was declared that, quote, it is the policy of the United States to encourage by affirmative action the elimination of discrimination in employment. And specifically, that really had uh, uh, regards to, to United States government employment. And from that, it developed into 
It's aimed to promote equal opportunities by providing preferential treatment or affirmative, proactive action, action that affirms to individuals or groups who have historically faced cultural or systemic obstacles or barriers due to their race, gender, or other characteristics. And this definition adds, quote, this policy acknowledges the lingering effects of past injustice and seeks to level the playing field. So I was talking to someone about this maybe six weeks ago or so, good person. Similar subject, and he said, hey, we have a level playing field. Slavery ended a long time ago. And that's true, it did. So he said, isn't the playing field already level? So let's take that walk. And let's start with the Emancipation Proclamation, which declared that enslaved people in states or areas of rebellion against the United States would be free, effective January 1st, 1863. The Civil War didn't end until two years and four months later, on April 9th, 1865. But then when the 13th Amendment was ratified, it was ratified eight months after that, on December 6th, 1865, and that was three years after the Emancipation Proclamation, so that's really the end of slavery. Is the end of slavery the same thing as being free? Or equality? Is that the same as a level playing field? Is it the same spiritually as being one with the body of Christ? So I thought about this and I thought, I don't know, how about the right to vote? When you're freed from slavery, when did that happen? Well, that came two more amendments later. The 15th Amendment allowing black men to vote. And that took five more years to be ratified. On February 3rd, 1870. So I thought, well, okay, is, is that then equality? Well, 26 years after that, which was 31 years after freedom from slavery in 1896, the Supreme Court with Plessy versus Ferguson officially legalized segregation under the rubric of separate but equal, trying for equality that way. Legalizing separate but equal, separate facilities for the races, separate seating, separate eating, separate lives, and separate education. That was decided in 1896, that's a long time ago, but then that held for the next 50 years. So legally, there was no slavery in physical bondage, not in physical chains, but is that equality? 
For more than 50 years, the overwhelming majority of African American citizens of the United States were legally second-class citizens. And that was under the Jim Crow segregation system. I've heard a lot about Jim Crow segregation system, but you know what? I'm probably not as smart as many of you because I didn't really know specifically what a lot of that involved. I heard it as a term and kind of got the idea, so I checked into it. What were some of those Jim Crow laws? Give me some examples. Okay. In Kentucky, for example, one of the states of the Union in 1904, it was illegal, and in many other places, to maintain or operate any college or school or institution where persons of white and African-American races were both allowed to attend. And the penalty for not following this law was a $1,000 fine. And the United States Supreme Court upheld that statute when it was challenged. In 1921, a law was passed outlawing African-American people and white families from living in the same home. In 1933, Segregated libraries were authorized. 1944, separate railroad coaches for white and for African American passengers were, what, suggested? Allowed to take place? Nope, required by law. In 1952, interracial marriages were prohibited by law with a penalty of $1,000 and or five years in prison. Interracial marriage, by the way, was made legal in our country by the Supreme Court. Any guesses? When? 60s? 1967. We'd already had people to the moon. Now, I shared, this with a, uh, I shared this at the beach service. And someone came up to me afterwards who uh, uh, was in an interracial marriage. And she said, well, actually, she says, yes, that was the Supreme Court case of a person named, last name, Loving versus. And she said, um, Actually, that was, I mean, you know, a very kind way. But she said, actually, while that was a Supreme Court ruling, it was allowed to roll out state by state after that. So she said, interracial marriage was against the law in Alabama until when? Later. Until 2000. She said, I know that because she and her husband, she said, we were in Alabama when it was still illegal for us to be married in the year 2000, a couple of months before this existed. In 1956, the first hard disk was invented by IBM. Elvis was big. 
Somebody at the beach service also came up and said, Elvis still is big. <laughs> Teflon pans were invented. And in 1956, a law provided that all persons, firms, or corporations were to create separate bathroom facilities for members of the white and African races employed by them or allowed to come into their business. In addition, separate rooms to eat in, as well as separate eating and drinking utensils, were allowed, were suggested, nope were legally required for white and African-American races with a fine of $100 to $1,000 or 60 days up to one year in prison. 1956, also, all public parks, recreation centers, playgrounds, etc., were required to be segregated. And then in 1957, something magical happened. Paul Whitmore was born. <laughs> In 1960, I was three years old. And the races of all candidates were to be written on voting ballots. Physical slavery had ended. But was there yet equality? either legally or in spiritual terms. And then we get to 1964. Now, 1964 is 101 years after the Emancipation Proclamation. And 101 years after the Emancipation Proclamation comes the Civil Rights Act. I was in the third grade. I was eight years old. Now, the year before this took place, I was in the second grade. And when I was in second grade, when I was in kindergarten, first grade, and second grade, discrimination was legal. Perfectly fine. And it was all I knew. All I knew up until then was discrimination was just fine. And you know what? It was all that anyone in our country knew. Because it wasn't illegal yet. Now this may be hard to believe, knowing human nature as we do, but when discrimination did finally become illegal, everyone did not jump up and down for joy or comply right away. Can you believe that? Well, I, what was it like? So, both of my parents grew up in Maryland, and uh, we would go down there and visit all the time because their parents were still there. And um, Maryland isn't far away, but of course it's south of the Mason-Dixon line. So my mom's farm that we used to go to was on the Antietam Creek. Remember the Battle of Antietam? So we went to visit after 1964, well after 1964. And I remember going into bathrooms where there were signs that said, and they were upheld, believe me, in Funkstown, Maryland, that said whites only, 
white-only bathrooms. I sat in restaurants with my parents where there was white-only seating. I remember whites-only drinking fountains with a sign. That was happening years after 1964. So just because something becomes law doesn't mean it immediately changes people's hearts, does it? Up until 1964, if you were black, if you were Asian, if you were Middle Eastern, Muslim, anything, maybe somebody just didn't like your looks, you couldn't move into a white neighborhood if the realtor or the banker didn't want you to. And that was just fine. So that's in my lifetime. Now in my mind, I'm not that old. <laughs> and you know what? Half the population here, it wasn't just black people. This included women. The Equal Credit Opportunity Act didn't come into play until, you've been guessing this morning, what are some guesses? Did I, I think I heard it, the 70s, 1974, I was a junior in high school. The Equal Credit Opportunity Act of 1974 prohibited discrimination against credit applicants based on gender, among other factors. 1974, many of you lived it, just guessing, was the first time that women could not be legally barred from having a credit card in their own name. So in my lifetime, my lifetime. Was there yet a genuine living of the vision and the imperative from Proverbs, from Jesus, from Paul? Were we yet living as the one body of Christ? Are we yet living as the one body of Christ with the Native Americans? And what's happening now, which by the way, when you go out there to the reservation and you go off reservation, there are signs in some store windows. What do they say? We don't serve Lakota or dogs. We don't serve Lakota or dogs. 2023, United States of America. So, when I read that article in the Wall Street Journal and articles in so many different publications that said, quote, the Supreme Court had one of its finest hours as it reaffirmed the bedrock American principle of equality under law, I thought, has it been a bedrock American principle of under equality under the law for everyone? In what ways and for how long? Where have we been with that as a matter of record? Why did we need affirmative action in the first place? And is everything now right enough with those who have had 
generations of being legally discriminated against. And now finally they have their chance. Is that an equal level playing field? The Supreme Court ruling said affirmative action is wrong because it's wrong to discriminate or choose based on race. I agree with that. And our faith agrees with that. But where have we been? And how do we get to where we need to go? There's a book whose title is the famous quote that says, we stand on the shoulders of those who went before us. I love that quote. And that's true. It's true for everyone. It's true standing on the shoulders of those who had opportunities. And it's true for the people who are standing on the shoulders of those who went before them, whose opportunities were made illegal for generations. In the book, it says, the beginning of a legacy is to never be forgotten. It is the starting point of who you are. It is the examination of where you come from. And again, that's true for people of opportunity like me. Because of my color, certain doors have been opened that I don't even have to think about. And it's also true for people whose opportunity has not been allowed. So what's the point? The point is our legacy has many roots. And none of the shoulders that we stand on are pure, spotless, without error, or without history. Mine aren't. We have our political history, we have our social history, and we have our spiritual history, our faith, whose purpose is to drive and to inform every aspect of our life and the decisions that we make, including our politics. Our faith says, this is who you are, and this is who other people are, and this is how we live with, and this is how we treat each other as the one body of Christ. Our history on that is clear, and our faith is equally clear regarding how to treat each other. And I think about things like, well, a rule's a rule, and needs to be applied to everyone equally and fairly. A commandment is a commandment, yes? Jesus said, I didn't come to break the law. But do you sometimes adapt the law under special circumstances to address a greater human need of suffering? Like, for example, waiving one of the Ten Commandments not for everyone, but for one who is under special circumstances. And then you go ahead and you heal that person on the Sabbath, even though it's against the commandment of God, because that person is in special need and needs your care. 
According to some people, you don't do that. A law is a law. According to Jesus, you do do that. He healed on the Sabbath. Even though he maintained, yeah, the Sabbath is still one of the Ten Commandments. And you honor that under most circumstances. And you know what? With that, he created a gray area. And that gray area drove people insane and killed him. And that gray area still drives people insane. So let's put first things first. To whom and what do we obey? Who is our Lord? Who is our sovereign? As Jesus said, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did it for me. And then he says, now let's act that way. Amen. We have before with us on this table and among us, we have the body of Christ, we have the presence of Christ, we have the life blood of Christ, and the bread and and the cup and the word from scripture and the Holy Spirit in our community that pulls us together. And his presence nourishes us in real and tangible ways. His presence encourages us. And sometimes his presence says, you know what, you need to go this way and not that way. And because he is our sovereign, we say, yes, Lord, we will follow you. And we have followed him to this table where we are all invited, we're all blessed. We're all forgiven. We're all given a fresh start, a new life, again and again and again. And so we come to this table, as it is said, not because we must, but truly because we may. What a gift. We come not because we are without error but because of God's grace and God's mercy that we can come to this table who we are to be welcomed and renewed. And so we come now for all things are ready and Christ is with us. And with that, we recall how he was 
in the upper room with his disciples on that night before he was betrayed. And he took bread and he blessed it. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat of this and as often as you do, remember me. Ministering to you in his presence, we give you this bread. be blessed by the presence of Christ and share together in his presence with this bread. On that same night and in that same manner, after dinner, Jesus took the cup and after giving thanks, he blessed it and poured it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, 
and drink. For this is the cup of the new covenant, the new promise poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink of it. And as often as you do so, remember me. So ministering to you in his name, we offer you this cup. This is the cup of Christ's sacrifice, which allows us a restart, a new life. Let us join together.
Let's take a moment in prayer. Loving God, we thank you for gathering us here today as seekers, as people who have found as well, as people who are all on the path of being a better person of faith, eyes more open, mind more open, heart more open. We thank you for coming into our lives, for drawing us together and making of us a community and knowing that community spreads throughout the world to all of your children, to all men and women of every corner of the earth. And so we thank you for not only being with us, but continuing to nourish us as you did this morning, now, and will continue to do through this bread and through this cup. May you bless us as we take each step forward from this time in your spirit, in your strength, in your conviction. Amen.
Now as we go out from this place, this day, this week, embracing, stepping into the new day in our lives, may God bless you and keep you, and may God's face continue to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift his countenance upon you and continue to give you strength and courage and hearts to love, arms to embrace, arms to lift up, now and forevermore, with all those who we meet. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.